0: We think that the table is the, a great venue to impact people's worldview.
1: He's right. It is a great venue. Um, so why we call this series The Table, or what we're going to focus on, it's our family. Um, most of us, or most all of the thinking about life application is introduced and developed around our table. And so our worldview is formed, at least in part, by the time we spend around the table. So why the table? Because there, this is a place, I know for our family, it's a place for by, that's comfortable. It's a place that we can all gather around and we can face each other, we can focus on each other, and really, honestly, it's a place we eat. And boys, you like eating? Mm, yeah, they like food. So. Let's look at the Bible. Does the Bible say anything about eating together? Well, in fact, it does. So scripture, and especially in the Old Testament, speaks of the Passover feast, or lots of feasts, but the Passover feast stands out. And really what what that is, it's um, a feast, but it's to remember the liberation of the Jewish nation from Egypt. So um, Jesus speaks of a feast, or the Lord's Supper in the New Testament, And he says in Luke 22, 14, it says, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. So he had his family among him, right? And then it goes on to say, for as often as you eat this bread and drink a cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, most of us are familiar with that whole um, event, the meal. So Jesus gave thanks for the food and drink and the importance of it, and then he reminded us that as often as you do this, um, we need to remember, we need to proclaim the Lord's um, death until he comes. So there is not a direct mandate that says we need to eat meals together, but there's much evidence that it's a very effective way to teach, counsel, encourage, and disciple our families
0: all right so let's take a look at our table and when i say our table i mean the table that i built i have a picture of it in raw form um it's kind of a (laughs) bright picture there um cody's is nice (laughs) (laughs) no as i was building it and this goes to kip you brought up a story this morning about finding a a spot where in your house where the builders had marked that they prayed over your house well, that was a point here I wanted to make. When I was sanding and staining and cutting, I was praying that this table would be a table where extraordinary things happen. And and I don't mean that the table was extraordinary, but that as we apply God's word, this is one of the best pictures that I've ever thought of. I just thought of it when we walked up here, is this Bible laying on the table. It, it's the power of the Holy Spirit as we lean on God, as we pray and we bring that his power in but then as we're teaching and talking and counseling i want to keep throwing counseling out there because there is so much power in the holy spirit counseling us and all these this mentioning of struggles and how do we get through life that happens at the table we also made our table uh there's a next slide uh, it to hold our family but then we had the intention of hosting others so this was the thanksgiving and i think there are 20 some seats around um there's actually two tables there but um that's the point is and we're going to talk about this the effect that your family if you do this well has on others and why do we do this why are we focusing on passing a biblical worldview on at our table
1: well If we Mm -hmm. go back what I said to Deuteronomy, God tells us to. You see, in uh, verse 5 of chapter 6, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. In these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And it goes on, and it's so cool. But I have to say, we didn't put this up here, but I love the NIV version um, because it, instead of teach, us, teach them diligently, it uses the phrase to impress on your children. And the definition of impress is to fix deeply or firmly on r- your mind or memory or to urge. So moms and dads, not only are we commanded personally to love God with our all, but we are to impress on our children, to teach them diligently, to urge them to love God with their all. It is so cool because he, his word doesn't stop there. He gives us such clear-cut directions just in that verse. It's, um, he tells us how and when to do that. How we're to talk. What are we talking about? Well, like I said earlier, the Israelites that came out of Egypt, they had something to pass on. They had their liberation, their freedom to talk about. They were freed from slavery. We can tell that too, but we have something bigger to talk about. We have been freed from slavery. We can talk about the Easter, the resurrection story, but we can talk about it more than just on Easter. In fact, we can talk about it daily. We can talk that Jesus died and was raised again. We need to impress that on each of our children. So, now, when? Well, right there in verse 7, it says, when you are sitting in your house, well, there's other wins in there, but we're focusing on this win, the win of sitting. sitting. And where is the most practical place in your house to sit where maybe you can not be interrupted or um, I don't know, distracted? Well, for us, for the Crowey household, it's at a meal time. It's at our table. Just a quick interesting note. <clears throat> I read a study doing this research. I read a study that said on an average, a parent spends about 38 and a half minutes per week in meaningful conversation with their children. We have 168 hours per week and we're only spending a smidge over half an hour with our kids in deep conversation. Well, that study was done eight years ago can you imagine what, how low that, that time might be today in eight years time? So let me ask you, is that enough time to impress a biblical worldview on our children? If not, where are the kids getting their information? So another thought that you can kind of think about for yourselves is how much time do you spend at a dinner table or at a meal or do you make it a habit even of, uh, to eat together as a family at a table? So there's several reasons to promote family meals. I'm gonna kind of give you this little info too that I found. Um, some, of the, some of the reasons are healthier food choices, uh, portion control, and even exploring new foods. And all of those will possibly reduce obesity, especially in children. Better grades. Greater happiness, emotionally strong kids, and better with better mental health. Also, less stressed parents because it saves money to (laughs) eat at home around your table. But the number one reason they gave that I just love is the reason of better family relationships. Now, if you know Mike and I (coughs) and our circus, we are committed to living in a family centered manner. We emphasize healthy family relationships and we focus a lot on the sibling relationships. So,
0: so let's take all that. Sherry mentioned earlier there's not a specific command to eat around the table, but there is a lot there are a lot of examples of in the Bible of families eating together and, and this process of passing on information. Job actually happens to be one of them. Anybody know how many kids Job had the first time around? One. Ten. Okay, if we go to this passage uh, in Job, it's Job 1, and it's 1 through 5, but I just want to read four of the verses. There was a man named, a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and everybody knows that about Job, all right? Everybody knows this, but as we go on, he says, he feared God, and he turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. So his sons used to go, I went down to verse 4, and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. So each of those seven boys were assigned a day to have the feast. They hosted. And it says they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So these strong sibling relationships. And when the days of the feast would run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them, them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now, I, what I want to raise out of there is God. Job was a godly man. He feared, he pursued God, and he acted that way. But he also wanted that for his children, so he passed it on. And this practice of hosting and, and being a family with your siblings, that's, in there that that was part of their culture that's what he did and we want to say that that is important in passing on this biblical worldview we don't want like sherry said somebody else to be impacting our kids worldview it it gets confusing it gets uh an amoeba like effect and you can't stand on any truth if you have all these different worldviews competing so productive children trained well become mature productive adults and we want to continue on through the bible and show you in psalms psalm 128
1: i think there's a slide for that um we're going to actually go down to the third verse um, which says your children will be like olive shoots around your table okay when i look at this metaphor i see job's kids and um, his family but why the metaphor of olive shoots well we're guessing that the olive plants or trees were an important part of the overall culture and that's what we want to convey is that our children are a very important part of our overall culture
0: there's a picture of uh, of some olive shoots coming out of the base of an olive tree
1: there you go um If you notice the vigorous offsets of the aged olive tree, which sprang up around it, are ready to take its place. They are shoots, not branches, but plants that are fresh and full of promise. This is a picture of strength. There's life and vibrancy to the olive tree that over time can grow many shoots that grow to be saplings and eventually, have the potential to be a grove of olive trees
0: keep that keep that in mind that olive grove that that growth we're going to refer to that here in a minute too
1: so really the goal for this worldview passing on our worldview is that we need our kids to produce fruit just like the goal for an olive shoot would be to grow to a tree and produce good fruit
0: all right, so how do we do this? It's not just sitting around the table. Nothing in our, our wisdom literature, nothing in the Bible says that if you just uh, pray or, or sit here or do this one thing, it's going to be automatic. Success doesn't just come. It does come, though, by fearing the Lord and working diligently. You've got to step into it. You've got to act on it. So just a few examples we want to highlight from what we try to do. I don't say we do it well, but we try um, there's this attitude of what do we do with our family? How do we impress on our uh, uh, children what we're trying to teach them? Well, first, you've got to express that fear of God's word. You've got to use it and you know, treat it as holy and pray. And I will say, I put down here, pray, pray, pray. It's, it's continually. It's unceasingly. And if you hadn't noticed, this is really simple in concept <laughs> but hard to do. So everything we're do- doing, talking about is really asking you to reform your life, to really d- implement a discipline. The next big thing, and this is huge, for you that are leading your family, you've got to have individual preparation. You have to be in the word in order to be ready to apply the word. Um, there, there's so much for us to use, and it's not just to know it, but it's to apply it. So when we have... Uh, there's current events that go on, and you want to explain uh, right and or wrong, what God's design is, you need to know the word. So individual preparation. And you know that with sibling relationships or family relationships or friends or school, there's going to be family drama. R- knowing what God says, how to respect others, conveying that spirit of love and compassion happens at the table. When there's not the pressure, there's a, there's a relaxed atmosphere so that'll uh now that i've thrown all that at you i don't want you to just quit i don't want you to say i can't do that i wasn't raised with the bible in my hand i don't know well i'm gonna tell you about josiah josiah became a king when he was eight years old and a lot of it was as a result of his father and his grandfather didn't follow the lord and they ended up being killed early but uh josiah at eight years old began to, to rule with his advisors and his help but In his early 20s or so, he was following the Lord and he was working to get the temple restored. So he sent his secretary to get the money that had been collected uh, in the vault to pay the workers so they could continue on and finish this work on the temple. Well, while the secretary was in there with the priest, they found the book of the law. What? They hadn't been using it. They hadn't been reading it. And so they came and they read it to Josiah. He tore his clothes. He was so repentant that he turned back to God and he restored the Passover feast. He reformed their practices and he restored these, the, the book of the law into their practice, their daily practice. That Passover feast, they started to do it again. They remembered what God had done for them. So if Josiah at eight or as a young man can do it, anybody in here leading it, you have the word. Use it. Just start to use it. Repent and come back to Jesus. Now, a couple of passages I just want to read to you because the whole intent of it is to to restore you, to bring you back in. What do we talk about? Philippians 4.8. I know a lot of you know this. Finally, it says, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So talk about this stuff. Frame current events. Frame family relationships or friend relationships with this, with praiseworthy talk, with excellence. And another passage, and this is a little bit longer, but I need to read it because it's the gospel in practice. It's John 15:4 through 10. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, so Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so to prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments in, in his love. So we want glorify god so we need to listen and do what he says we set that up we abide in jesus that's that attitude that expectant attitude we're asking the holy spirit to help us and now a couple other just really quick foundational pieces that i would recommend for your table manners matter you have to rule this table you have to do it intentionally Uh, we we struggle with interruptions um, we, we struggle with maybe a lack of respect sometimes with uh, cutting people off while they're talking, but it needs to be talked about. It needs to be di- uh, um, addressed. So uh, don't interrupt. No phones. We don't need screens at the table when we're trying to conduct a family table, dinners. There, there needs to be a break. And, and just general humility and respect. We have to continue to try to install instill this. It is a process. Accept it embrace it it's a process Um, and then the food the feast we have a feast in god's word let's bring a feast let's let's care about what we serve our families and and do this well Um, help them to be healthy and the energy and and bring that all with the understanding that god's designed us in a way to do this well and then finally i just want to say uh, about being aware. What's going on around you? What's going on around the you, your kids' lives or the people that you invite into their homes? Find out what's bugging them or what they're working through and know the current events and then ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. How does the Bible address it? Um, Billy Graham was famous for saying, my paraphrased version of it, uh, start every morning with your Bible in one hand and your newspaper in the other. So blend them together. God's word is the authority on how to work through a life. If we do this well, we'll begin an effect that will impact the world.
1: Can I add something? Yes. Okay, this isn't in my notes, but <laughs> we we don't sit around our table and we're not real stoic and you know, no. follow the rules <laughs> kind of thing, but we have lots of fun. And it's not that we sit there and read Bible verses after Bible verses and sing hymns. But <laughs> but we do have fun. so And like Mike said, we bring our biblical worldview. We bring what would Jesus do to all the conversation that we usually have. Right, boys? Right? <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we do struggle with manners, but for the most part, <laughs> <laughs> we have fun. We have a lot of fun. And this is not – this is a fun thing. It is. it is. a fun thing to grow up your – Mud pants.
0: is okay, but disrespect is not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell you a little about a bit about a ripple effect, and there's a slide of this. So I'm going to say that the time at the table, whether it be a meal or just a family time at the table, um, is like a stone dropped in water. So if you drop, I've got this little poetic um, exp- explanation. If you drop a stone in the water and see how the circles spread growing wider and wider, after a while, you cannot see them. But you know that the motion you have started must go on and on until it whispers against the pebbles on the farther shore. See, the time at the table will impact future generations. So moms, dads, we're telling our kids about Jesus That is the stone dropped in the water. Our kids are inviting people over to come to our table, and they're hearing about Jesus. The circle spreads. Maybe a small group comes. The circle spreads. Neighbors come. The circle spreads. Extended family, the circles go on and on. And we might not see where it ends up by the people that we have told and affected just by telling our kids, our family. Just kind of like last week, I think about our church got together to serve another church. The ripple or the circle got bigger. And we may never see the final impact that Church 214's Easter table had on the rest of the community that we served um, last week.
0: All right, so let's start to wrap this up. What do we do going forward? I wanna try to cast a vision and uh, if we can get that slide back with uh, Psalm 128, but the verse 6, uh, the, the last couple ones, let's see. It's got the generations. Yes, there we go, the chen- children's children. I want to be looking forward, thinking about our children and then their children. But in Malachi 4, it's the end of the Old Testament. Uh, just briefly, Malachi is passing on God's word to the people, saying, it's going to be silent for a while, but I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send a spirit. And the point or the purpose of it is to turn the hearts of the children's, or the fathers to their children and then the, the hearts of the children to their fathers. Did I say that right? Yeah. And because if that doesn't happen, God's going to come and his wrath is going to be unleashed. We have got to be following God in order to avoid that wrath. Well, then if you go to the forward after these 400 years of silence in the New Testament, Luke in Luke uh, 1, verses uh, 16 and 17, we're talking about the, uh, John the Pap- Baptist coming. He's got that spirit, the spirit of Elijah. And in verse 16, it says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in his spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to wisdom we are here to make ready for the lord so we're talking about the holy spirit coming we're talking about this through the practice of fathers and sons turning to each other or parents and children turning towards each other and this being prepared for the lord meaning living out the way god's designed so we've got to know him before we live it out and in that uh verse 6 i'm sorry i prompted you too early It talks about the prosperity of Jerusalem and Israel being peaceful, but through the children's children. So we're talking about this generational uh, benefit again. And I think you've got a little synopsis here.
1: I do. (coughs) So, an interesting thought. I love this thought. If God would work a miracle and lead Mike and my four children, five children, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Um, I miss you, Michaela. Um, (laughs) Would lead our five children to know and love him with all of their hearts. And then give each of our kids five children to impress the love of God upon. And an average give our grandchildren five children, to be faithful, well, in 200 years, Mike and I would have 78,125 descendants. Yes, yes. Living, loving God. That's just us. What about you? Boys, big expectations there.
0: So, (laughs) as we talk, Chris talks a lot about, the leadership talks about this community. We have the power to create a ripple effect at our tables to impact this. And if you just give it a little bit of thought and ask the Holy Spirit, we're talking about generations. The town I grew up in was 2,000 people, and it still is. That could be all one family, easy, if, if we perpetuate this. But being Christ followers, um, before the... Um, The the Reformation, that revival in the 1850s, the early 1800s, there were pastors that preached about family, about family discipleship, and about bringing God's word. And uh, Matthew Henry in 1704 preached a sermon, and he said, Reformation begins at the family, and I had the word table. But it's, it's so key. It's such a foundational step, but we do it with the word, with an intentionality, and looking forward to bringing glory to God it all it all step out god will fill in the voids so let's just pray to wrap this all up father we come to you and we thank you so much for what you're doing here um we thank you that you have given us your word and help us to apply it we're not saying that this is the answer sitting at the table is the answer to all of the school shootings and the bombings we're not saying it's the key to all the mental health issues going on but what we are saying is when we lean into you and your holy spirit works that that gospel message that whole the power of the holy spirit will halt the violence and it will cure illnesses and we just lean on you in all that we do and we pray for your word to be settled in our hearts and our actions and then to give us the boldness to step into it and we pray this all in jesus name amen